Do yep, it. And you did the tab. I figured it out. Perfect. <laughs> and once again, we are live. It is uh, another beautiful Friday morning here for me, afternoon for uh, our guests and some of our listeners. And who knows? It could be nighttime uh, because the world is round, uh, despite what a lot of people think. Uh, this is Maker That Money, the podcast, where we talk about turning your hobby into your jobby. I am one of your hosts, Pooch of Repcord. With me, as always, my trusty partner in crime, Mr. Andrew Mayhall of 3D Gloop. Andrew, good morning. <laughs> How are you? Good morning, sir. I'm good. And How are you? I am fantastic, and I'm super pumped for this episode. Our guest today... Frankly, needs no introduction. She's amazing on all levels. But we have Ellie Rose with us, founder That's and owner. Me. That's you, founder <laughs> and owner of Coco Press. Uh, and Ellie, we are so so happy to finally have you on here, so we can talk about making the sweetest three D printers in all of the land. But we'll get into that. First of all, let's do the you know introductions. How are you? Why don't you give everybody the the elevator pitch of who you are and what Coco Press is? Yeah, uh, I'm Ellie, like he said, uh, founder of Coco Press. Uh, Coco Press is a 3D printer that prints chocolate. So chocolate. I've been working on it for a little over eight years now, actually. Eight, and wow. it started off as a hobby, and, and now it it's your jobby. Yes. <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah. It a lot of forms. It was school projects in various schools, and then has been my full-time thing for about four years now. Awesome. What a wild ride, I am sure yeah. it has been. Uh, and then it's a good time to be talking because just about two weeks ago is when we launched the newest printer. And it's kind of like the first one to be fully available to, you know, the retail not just masses. Bigger businesses. Yeah. So it's, it's not nice. a really exciting time for me right now. It's so exciting. I got to, we both got to see it uh, in person, uh, live at, um, I don't know if you would you call it your official launch party or whatever because it's been this has yeah. been a while in the works, but at the Rocky Mountain Rep Rap Festival, and it is such a beautiful machine. It's a great machine. I know you you've put so much uh, uh, sweat and tears into it, and I know you've had some help from um, um, from uh, the the maker. You know, the founder of the Voron community uh, was very involved in it, and uh, you know maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Like, how did it come into its current form? Yeah. So we had a previous version of the printer that we sold in, uh, we launched it in late 2020. Great time to launch a hardware product. Um, <laughs> and Any product. It didn't, yeah. didn't uh, go super well for various reasons, but we do have a few of them out there. Um, and we were looking for what should we do next? What can we do to, um, yeah, just continue this? Uh, because I still thought, 3D chocolate printing is going to be there. It just maybe needs to be proven before a, a shop is willing to spend, it was at the time, $10,000 on, on a machine. Oh, wow. Sure. So we started looking at what, instead of making the entire printer ourselves, how can we take, how can we work with kind of the open source nature of the 3D printing community? How can mm -hmm. we work with what exists already so we're not reinventing the wheel? Sure. And just mm -hmm. started looking at, all of the possibilities for printers out there. Um, and we started prototyping. Uh, I have printed chocolate on a Prusa. I've worked with 
another 3D printing manufacturer to try to like see if we could <laughs> put it on theirs. I've looked into putting it on low spot printers. And then it's like, but the Voron V0 is so cute. It's so small. I love it. So we bought a, uh, a couple of Voron kits, uh-huh. threw a chocolate extruder on there, had to do some crazy hacks to get it to work. I mean, we were running two different electronics boards. We were running. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I put a hole in the bottom so you could actually like get the chocolate cartridge into the printer because we have like a bottom loading uh, cartridge system. Okay. And brought it to Murph yeah. in 2022. And mm-hmm. that was kind of the first time that the Voron team had assembled at one of these conferences. So long story short, uh, RCF, the founder of the Voron Project, saw it and was like, let's make this, but good. And that's what we <laughs> well, did. And like, so, is that an insult? Or? <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. no, no. Yeah. It was such a thrown together prototype. Yeah. Um, yeah. We rushed to try to bring it to the show. It's, it's always this balance of, do I talk about what we're working on? before we launch it uh-huh. mm-hmm. or do i do i try to keep it a secret before we launch it or do i just say hey this is what i'm doing let's let's see what happened and in this case i decided to say hey this is what we're doing let's see it happen and mm-hmm. both that are perfectly valid valid strategies well yeah, okay so, so so that's a fantastic teaser i'm gonna i'm gonna pause you right there for a second because we do have to do our our regularly scheduled thing and we're gonna put you on the spot i didn't warn you about this ahead of time because i love to do this to people uh because i'm a jerk but uh (laughs) we love to share at the top of the show uh our wins for the week so Mm -hmm. so what what andrew knows is coming because he he always has it so i always put him on the spot first so it gives you at least a few seconds to think about something that's good to have it doesn't have to be business related it can be in your personal life it can be anything you could have just seen an act of kindness on the street walking around and that just made your day you can share that that's totally fine too but to start with wins for the week mr andrew mayhall of 3d gloop oh boy (laughs) tell us how you're winning because we love the positivity here all right all right uh i think uh i think one of the biggest wins probably this week um just getting organized uh organization down for uh the upcoming shows for the rest of the year uh putting a lot of effort into planning uh we got accepted into a pretty major show coming up here so you know we're, we're teasers, trying teasers. to trying to make it all happen yeah back in <laughs> that's awesome so, that's good uh yep. it, it's getting into travel season i was gonna i was gonna riff mm-hmm. off of that as well but uh that very good well good win on that ellie what what is something good that happened to you this week See, I had something when Andrew started talking, but I was so intrigued on, on what you were talking about that, <laughs> that I forgot it. Yeah. Um, a couple of little good things is I got back from a trip. I was gone all of last week, and I was able to catch up on a whole bunch of emails and DMs and other nice. crazy things, and that always just makes me feel really good oh, to like that is the best. see that zero the inbox, yeah, inbox zero. zero. Are you an inbox like, zero? Oh. Are you an inbox zero person? No, no, no. But I'm yeah. at inbox okay. like six. Inbox so six pretty is good. pretty good. It's better than me. I'm in inbox uh, um, 177 right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mine's around 36. Yeah. <laughs> Half of it's wait, junk. Wait, I've, yeah. I've been there. Right? Yeah. I was at about 180 last week. So oh. it was mostly yeah. junk. 
Um, uh, but I think my biggest Cocoa Press related win yeah. is uh, Joel Telling, 3D Printing Nerd, put out a video, an interview, which was kind of like one of those crazy things of, you know, Joel and I are friends at this point. Sure. But I was watching him on YouTube well before I knew him. And mm-hmm. it's just kind of crazy to think back at earlier in this project and be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be on that YouTube channel one day. And it's just going to be like a Wednesday. You know, it's like um, – and we yeah. had the third best day of um, of printer reservations. Wow. So it's just – awesome. It, people watched it, and the 3D printing nerd effect is real. It's super real. Yeah. Uh, the Joel effect, as, as we call it, um, he's just, a, just such a – such a powerful energy for the for the community and um uh, you know I, i've been friends with him for a long time too and it's it's so great talking to him and i like you you know when i first got started it seemed it's like there's this this feeling of uh celebrity to some extent I'm like oh my god i'm on i'm on with joel and uh that's so cool i i can relate that's that uh, feels great um and now we just text you know it's like oh yeah hey, yeah um, that is a fantastic win, Ellie, and I'm ha- happy to hear it. And I, I hope you're feeling a little bit refreshed. I know you said you're coming off of a, a family vacation, and uh, I know that that can be a both relaxing and a stressful experience for some people. So you just never know what you're going to get there. But yeah, family time is important, and uh, and as a founder, especially, we do not tend to reserve enough time for downtime often. So. Yep. So I hope that was a good, uh, good experience for you. Were you? Um, can you say where you were and how long you were gone? Yeah, for? I was in Israel for a week, and I was there with my ninety-four-year-old grandfather. Oh my! And wow. it was a, it was amazing that the trip ended up happening. We actually almost canceled the trip about four days before we went because he he was in the hospital. Oh. Um, you know, his health is declining pretty quickly, and he's been saying for years that he just wants to go back to Israel for this World Union for Progressive Judaism conference that was happening uh, while we were there. Okay. And it, it happened, and he was better than I've seen him in years, just more engaged and, and amazing. And so it's, you know, it's always hard to watch people age and, and all of that, but it was really, mm-hmm. really incredible to be there for him. That's Fantastic! That's great. Yeah, I'm glad yeah. you got to got, got to do that. Um, I, for so for my win for the week, I'm gonna uh, kind of go in the similar vein from what uh, Andrew was saying, and uh, it's there's been a lot of travel lately, and that is, you know, we talk about vacation. A lot of these events that we go do, I are, are very re, very energizing for me, being the extrovert that I am. Um, and Mm -hmm. the fact that I derive so much energy clearly from just being around other people, um, makes me realize how important it is that I go to these things. And I wasn't planning to go to all of them, but, uh, Mr. Joel Telling twisted my arm and was gracious enough to host me for, (laughs) um, for rapid, which was my, one of the most recent trips I came back from, which was awesome. Uh, got to see a lot of mm-hmm. great people at that. That was in Chicago this year. And then just before that, we had Rocky Mountain. And then I was just at the uh, Prusa Users Group meetup, which was fantastic. It was sold out. There were a ton of great people. They were all kind of semi-local to me in the San Francisco Bay Area. And then they just had one in Seattle last night, which I really wanted to go to as well. But budget, uh, can't, can't do them all, um, sadly, and time. Um, but that was <laughs> such a great Meetup, and I got a chance to talk with Joe Joe Prusa ahead of the show. We actually did an impromptu 
recording. Uh, it was frantic. It was an, in true Prusa fashion, very last minute cobbled together, but it came together. Uh, I'm going to drop that recording uh, after this one. Um, so that'll be out this week as well. And thankfully the audio came out a lot better than I thought I did. I literally had limited gear. I tore my entire audio setup apart, got the podcast, the roadcaster <laughs> and just said, I'll, I'll record straight to the little SD card. Um, with very little idea of how the quality of was going to be, if we were going to even have a quiet space to do it. But it was really rad to get to talk to a founder that's like 10 years ahead of where we are and just kind mm -hmm. of a look of like where this can actually go. And um, I really wish I had like 10 times as long because I had a million questions <laughs> and we had unfortunately only like 20 minutes before the user group had to start. But it was a cool event. If you guys have the opportunity to go to one in the future, I know he's really gung-ho about doing more of these, um, especially given the state of, you know, feedback that we see online. And he's like, you know, just getting out and seeing people in person mm -hmm. and talking to them. Mm -hmm. you know, same thing with these events and these maker fairs. It's just a different experience, and it keeps you, you know, happier and, and positive in a way that you just don't get from the online interaction, sadly. Uh just takes a few bad apples to bring everybody down sometimes online. So yep. the face-to-face -face <laughs> seems to be the way to go. And Joe's really uh, eager to invest more in that. So that's big wins on, on multiple fronts. Awesome. I, I feel, I don't know. What, what yeah. do you, what do you guys feel is on the, on the events? Like, do you, do you come back feeling like gung ho and energized and inspired on those? Or are they draining or a little of both? Uh, for me, it's definitely inspiring. Um, you know, I'm eager to go to the next one. Um, but I think for me, it's the lead up to the event. Okay. Uh, that's the exciting part. <laughs> the prep. I would disagree. The that's the stressful part for me. Yeah. What do you think, Ellie? Yeah. That's well, you know, say. the lead up is the stressful part when I'm just like, I like, I like making the chocolate samples because I can just listen to podcasts and, uh, yeah. and, and kind of, kind of ignore everything and just be like, I'm not going to touch my computer all day today, Yeah, but, uh, it's the rest of it is stressful. I'm definitely re-energized by the events. I think Murph last year was kind of life-changing in a lot of ways. You know, I met people that ended up, uh, helping me connect with the BattleBots team and got on the TV show BattleBots, which was kind of a lifelong dream and incredible uh, met yeah. rcf and worked on this new printer that is better than my wildest dreams for for how this printer would turn out yeah and you know also just met some friends that i stay in contact with pretty regularly so that was pretty incredible and then armor this year was also a ton of fun so oh my gosh, i'm excited they're I'm always excited. they're always so great i mean i love it these yeah. are these are our people and, uh, you know, I love maker disciplines of all different kinds. I've been really enjoying going to more of the cons and more of the, you know, branching out because like the, the, the hobby of 3D printing or the, the I mean, to even call it a hobby is weird. A lot of people treat it as a hobby, but obviously additive mm -hmm. manufacturing, you know, is a thing. And so coming, going on to the business side and going to shows that are more industrial in nature is a different experience. And you, you interact with different crowds and stuff like that, but it's, it's such a it's a it's a tool a 3D printer is a tool unlike any other that I've come across and I don't know you guys you guys feel in terms of like what it seems like it has enabled um uh with with just these little subsets and sub pockets you know of of uh, hobbies and 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 whatnot 
that, that are associated mm-hmm. with it, right? Whether it's like the Lego community or the cosplay community or the, you know, uh, RC on bot- BattleBot. I yep. mean, like, it's funny. Nobody talks about, like, the drill press community, the bandsaw community, you know, the, <laughs> what, all these other tools that we use to make these things. Mm-hmm. But there's something about 3D printing where it just kind of coalesces uh, around the medium well, in a way yeah. that's different. I don't know. What do you- I, th- I think it's because the nature of 3D printing, it can be so much to so many different people. Yeah. Uh, you know, whereas like, you know, y- y- traditionally tools are designed to serve a single purpose. Uh, you know, a hammer, a screwdriver, yeah, a drill press, yeah. you know, yeah. whereas a 3D printer can be so much more than just a single tool. You know, and I think that that's what gets people excited and it it kind of sparks that whole creativity piece of our brains of like, hey, there's so many other things that I can do and it solves this problem that I've been experiencing. Yeah. So what what do you what do you think, Ellie? Well, I'm just thinking about it. What not to be philosophical, but like, let's get get philosophical Um, because like a computer is a tool and there's definitely sure communities around computers yeah that's a mm-hmm. good point um so i i, I kind of think andrew's right with about just the fact that it's can be used for so many different things mm. um, mm-hmm. although i will say i don't know if i'm supposed to break the fourth wall and, and do it look comments. but you have to look us dead in the eye when you do it <laughs> she's just staring into the camera Dr. for people Edgehog listening back says, yeah, yeah. You know, i see you've never been in a table saw community so maybe those communities do exist and we just don't know about them maybe the, yeah maybe yeah table saw owners uh, yeah, uh local yeah that'd be, i mean that'd be funny. i will i will say on the table saws you know mm. you have the the those in the camp of the saw stop and those in the camp of the old industrial you know listen you got to like keep your hot dogs big, safe okay well, yeah, yeah exactly I love saw stops <laughs> can i tell you can i can i go on a side tangent for half a second that's what we go do rabbit it. hole go okay. the my biggest regret of my of my biggest purchase regret for coco press was a portable table saw um and i'm scared to use it because it doesn't have saw stop it was a long story short yeah. for the first version of the printer if we were cutting a lot of insulation because we had double paned argon filled glass and insulated walls oh, wow. and enclosed wow. cooling system yeah it was an expensive machine yeah and we were looking at getting dye uh dyes made for some of the foam and it ended up being like you know way cheaper to buy this table saw and uh i learned sometimes don't scale until you have to you know sometimes it's good to prepare anyway oh my gosh we could we could do a complete episode on just that right like the when to scale and i'm i don't even know what the right i don't know that there is a right answer to that because there's definitely different strategies andrew and i have talked about this like ad infinitum uh yes it's a it's a no end it's a beefy topic (laughs) but i'm glad you brought it up and and uh, that's not really that's a great business topic uh to to jump in on um we don't have to go too deep on it right now, but I, I would stay with that for a second with you, Ellie, and say, what other um, lessons like that do you feel like you've learned? So first of all, let's pause. How many years have you been officially in business? Like, are you an LLC? What, what's the business structure? When did that all start? And then, go, yeah, go start with that. So I created <laughs> the LLC, of, I don't know, maybe March-ish of 2019. Okay. Um, so 
it was about three or four months before I graduated college. Okay. And so it was kind of when I said, okay, I'm definitely doing this full time. Yeah. I have help from entrepreneurship professors. I was in an engineering entrepreneurship lab class. Okay. Where basically, you use your own startup as the thing in the class. And it That's was awesome. one of the coolest classes I've ever taken. That's... Three hours once a week. Oh, man, and we just would that. say, you know, we would have like scheduled things too. But they were just like, hey, what'd you do in your startup this week? Oh, you're trying to do a customer survey. We're going to spend an hour and we're going to go through exactly how you write a good customer survey thing. And everyone's going to give details. So it was a really cool way of seeing about uh, six startups growing in real time. People who had been working on it. Awesome. People at various phases. And I don't know if anyone else from my year is still. I was going to ask, are you still in touch? And Mm -hmm. are the, do do people still. Some people. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of them is still kind of doing it on the side, but other years of the classes, they've like raised VC money. Like I've scrolled through Twitter and I'm like, that's, like Strella, they're on an Intel ad. Like, what is going on here? Wow. And then I ran into her, you know, a, a month later. Wow. So, so it's very cool to kind of see what's come of the last. Um, that's how I started about four years ago. Okay. I don't remember the rest of your question. No, that that was that was I, I <laughs> decided was, yeah. instead of giving you the five part question the way I always do, I've I've grown a little bit, and I'm saying I'm going to start with that, and then we'll go. <laughs> so w- the reason that I wanted to get some background on it is then now if we're going to talk about don't scale before it's time. That means a totally different thing to a lot of people, depending on what the structure of your business is. If you're venture funded, if you have cash that, you know, you need to get this thing scaled and off the ground because your funders at some point are going to want an exit and stuff like that. That's different than bootstrapping. Uh, or, so you're bootstrapped if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. right? We, we love bootstrapping here, meaning like we use our mm-hmm. own seed uh, funding to, to start things off or maybe stuff as well yeah. But yeah um and so you you have to be a lot more stingy with how you allocate your cash because cash flow is everything in this right like that's the mm-hmm. lifeblood and uh it is zero sum unfortunately to some extent if you're spending money on something in column a you have less available for column b or column you know <laughs> c uh, and so when you talk about scaling, when the time is right, what are the indicators for you? And is it just a matter of the lessons you've learned in the past or how are you kind of trying to make those decisions about when it's time? Are you very budget centric? What are your strategies? So I've gone through multiple phases uh-huh. before, uh, there were full words. Um, there were four <laughs> of us full time at one point. And oh, wow. that was, yeah, and that was really cool. And that was a really cool experience and learning how to manage people. Um, one of one person was at a co-op uh, in, uh, in school and the other two people had, had graduated. One of them had a master's. Yeah. So it was like di- very different skill ranges and, and skill sets. That being said, I think that was one of those times where I grew almost too quickly, too fast before Mm -hmm. I was sure I would have revenue. So Mm -hmm. this time everyone kind of went and scattered into different things. Um, I talk about Amy sometimes because she did a lot of material science work for me Uh and is absolutely incredible. Got a job at Forum Labs um, and is working on, on really cool stuff there. But this time I've started saying, okay, can I out it work that i i can't do myself can i outsource it to contractors so that it's a little bit more or like small businesses or or Mm -hmm. whatever it is 
So I think the best example of that recently has been uh, Emma, who I know was on your podcast previously. Of oh, love Emma, love Emma. Yeah, yeah. So she does all of my support now, or you know, her and Ellis and awesome. And their new hire, and it has been incredible working with them. They're so, it's just, so good. They're so. Do they do they do work with you? No. Well, I so I've I've worked with her on a couple of other projects and stuff okay. as well. But like, just how organized she is and mm-hmm. um her mindset. Uh, like she's just a very common sense uh, individual. We'll have to have her back on to do some follow up because I know that mm-hmm. like they've seen a lot of growth just in the totally. the coming years. Found a great niche, identified that a lot of companies are like ah support is like the last thing we have feel like we have time for. But mm-hmm. a, a lot of the assumptions I made, I don't know about for you, Ellie, but I was just like, well, you know, people want. I I wanted to offer that hands on experience. A lot of times people wanted to be able to like I wanted to interact with a customer. And when you're new and when you're growing, that's great because it's a good way to get feedback and understand like the pulse. But mm-hmm. it be- can become very stressful and very limiting on your growth as you get bigger and bigger, right? You have to let go of that piece. So that's a great example. It's really hard. And, you know, it would weigh on me a lot when it took me eight, 10 days to get back to someone. And, you know, now everyone's getting responses sure. in like two days. And, and I can already see some people who are asking questions and now they're, you know, placing uh, printer reservations. And uh, yeah. that's really cool to see. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. One other example I think I would give is, and I think we're going to get into this a little bit more uh, later, mm-hmm. but the way I've decided to kind of launch this new printer mm-hmm. with, instead of like a full pre-order campaign, just having a hundred dollars down so that people can reserve a printer. It's just so that I know how many printers I'm going to sell and be able to budget for the future so that I don't Mm -hmm. hire too early this time. And I actually just made the decision this week that I am going to be hiring someone. um, Good. Awesome. uh, Soon. So I'll I'll be working for people, but then that's just a really exciting thing because sales have gone really well. That's so. fantastic. And I love how you put that. Like, don't hire too early. Mm-hmm. I, I think it all comes back to it's like, don't spend until you have to. Because I think we make these assumptions. Mm-hmm. And when you get, especially if you interact, I know you're on social media a lot. Like, you know, we are as well. because, you know, we're, we're social animals. And um, you start to see what's going on. And I think there's a lot of things where you can get wrapped up in the hype where it's like, oh, I got to spend some money on this. I got to do this. I have to hire. I have to get the big space. There's like the glamour mm-hmm. component to it yep. that you really have to resist because people want to show, you know, put best foot forward and represent they their company in a positive so way. It's so hard. It's just like it's people hard. are emailing me from every country. I have like a spreadsheet of just like all the countries that people are emailing yeah. me from to buy it. Yeah. And I'm just being mm-hmm. like, I don't hear you. I don't hear you. You get added to the sheet, but yeah. I am starting with the yeah. U.S. and Canada because I have to start somewhere. If I try to do everything, no one will yeah. have printers. Oh my gosh, I'm so yeah. glad you said that because, like, I struggle. Yeah. I think we all struggle with that. Andrew probably struggles with it too. Like, we want, and 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 that I think is you know we read about this in, in various. This is not a new revelation, but it's you know it's the what you mm-hmm. say no to, not what you say yes to, that will dictate your long term success, right? I don't know if it was Jobs yep. or some or Jobs was just known for saying it. A lot of people have said it, um, but that is so true. And as mm-hmm. people pleasers, I, I don't know if I, I can't speak for you guys, but like I have historically been a, a pleaser, right? So it's like I want to be able mm-hmm. to say yes to people. Um, and I don't feel like I have that same cutthroat mentality where a lot of people will associate, oh, that guy's a jerk. Cause he, he, it's, it, it's such an art to be able to say, 
no with a smile, you know, no, we're not doing that right now. Thank you for the feedback. That's a great idea. We look forward to doing yep. that in the future. There's a million different ways and you get that experience as you go, but like, that is so important. And Ellie, like that, that is great to hear mm -hmm. that you are, you recognize that because I think this is yeah. a massive pitfall for a lot of people that are getting started. They say yes to too many things too quickly. Right. What do you mm -hmm. think on that, Andrew? Do you oh, concur, yeah, absolutely. sir? <laughs> absolutely i yeah. mean you know as as some of the longtime viewers and listeners of this podcast know you know 3d gloop is not my first startup uh you know i had a previous one and that one we were venture backed we had private equity we had you know, lots of money you know raising two and a half million dollars and mm -hmm. at one point in time the height of it we were like 15 something people um you, you know so there's 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 absolutely something to be said for learning to say no i mean er, early on I, I had a hard time saying no to all of the other cool ideas or routes that we can go down or use cases of our particular product or invention um and you know it was also hard because i had other people who i looked at who knew more than me telling me hey you know we got to go do this mm -hmm. um you know so i wish you know if there were things that i could do better you know um, in the past, it would be learning to say no with a smile and say in time, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, you know, with that said, I was actually, you know, curious, um, if Ellie could shine a little bit of light on the start, the early days at Coco press. And, you yeah. know, you mentioned that you had like four individuals working with you. Like, could you, could you tell us like what, what it was like having the idea and then growing that and then getting four people were these just people you knew who wanted to help like i'm curious <laughs> yeah um so i graduated from college in 2019 and started working on coco press full-time right away which was really cool and then I got like a couple of grants from Penn, got into the, uh, I went to University of Pennsylvania. So I got into their okay. innovation accelerator. I'm still based out of the like Penn innovation space. Mm -hmm. um, I had free space for most of the year. It was pretty incredible. Wow. Um, and it was just me first in a, uh, you know, this is back when WeWork was big, co-working mm -hmm. spaces. So I was just upstairs in the co-working space. And then uh, as I got more yes. and more hardware, I was like, hey, Ellie, you're you're kind of blocking the path here. It's like, can I have the conference room? So we said, okay, <laughs> I got the conference room, but everything I had had to be on the cart so that if anyone needed to use the conference room, I could just cart all of my stuff out of the conference room. Just took over the space. <laughs> Oh, I just took Hilarious. over. I love um, it. Okay. I like walking through the buildings now because I can just be like, I was in that space. I was in that space. I was in that <laughs> space. Um, I went to a construction area at one point. They're like, hey, we don't have anyone moving into this space for six months. And actually, another Penn startup is in there now, which is really okay. cool. Um, so really quick, along those lines, you went straight from college into this. Have you ever had another job? Another, I mean, you, you probably had jobs prior to college and stuff like that, but were you doing in a day school, job at some point as well? In school, I worked at um, the uh, laser cutting lab, the um, rapid prototyping lab. Mm -hmm. I worked in the additive manufacturing lab. I was kind of like the student lead uh, okay. there. Okay. So I got to work with you know, ProJet, Object, Fortis printers. Oh, nice. And, and that's, that's yeah. nice because I've been able to say, okay, I see what a hundred dollar printer does, and I see what a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar printer does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
And then I also had some, you know, summer things. I was working at a design firm. If you ever want to know things about like napkins and toilet paper dispensers, I know way too much about them. <laughs> um, what? What? But no, what? This, this is my first full-time job. Um, wow. You know. Wow. I think that's a first for us. That's unique. That's really interesting. Yeah. So you're coming really straight out of school. Your first career being your entrepreneur venture. You've obviously had a lot of experience and, and you bring up an interesting point too, uh, Andrew, I know you've dealt with this too, that, that when you, when you mm -hmm. have, when you're doing competitions and you get grant funding and stuff like that, that can make mm -hmm. a, a big difference and, and it creates a community uh, and, and even an environment of mentorship and stuff like that, that I know I always wish I had had that, you know, I didn't. So I think like mm -hmm. you have a really great leg up, but it's interesting because experientially, um, do you feel like you've missed out in terms of like, well, you haven't necessarily gone and like worked for another company to understand the mechanics of that, like in terms of real world experience? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that was one of the things that led me to hire some people in the beginning mm. was, you know, I want to hire this person who worked at X company. But mm -hmm. it is really just about realizing, you know, I have internships at a couple of, you know, part-time jobs under my belt. Yeah. But realizing I, d I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and just trying to get advice from all of the different people. Um, just constantly asking for advice about things. I'm I'm glad I'm really. I've had, I've had more formal advisors at times, and I've also just had a lot of informal advisors. I'm really glad that you recognize that, and I think your approach is good. I think you're a very humble individual. Mm -hmm. You're you're very. I mean, it's 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 inter It's really interesting to me because I interact with a number of of people in this community. Uh, some much older than me, some way younger, and it, I, I lose a sense of like where people kind of are in their journey. Andrew's a pretty young individual, uh, you know, as well, and so it's like I say, young bucks. Uh, what that experience is like <laughs> as a as a very young founder with that experience and what that you know what the teachings and what the lessons are there I think it's really great that you're you recognize you're like I need to surround my there's a lot I don't know I need to surround myself mm -hmm. with smart yeah. people as best I can I know it's really challenging if like you don't have money to hire people you know you have to go out and find ways to get that mentorship and uh, uh, you know advice elsewhere and that was what was really great about the Pennovation Accelerator that I was mm -hmm. in and some of the early advisors I had. It's also interesting to have people helping you and try to understand where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. So one of my early advisors was um, uh, head of business. I forget exactly what his, his title was, but it was someone very high up at Hershey. And, it was, and he was very cognizant of the fact that this is coming from a Fortune 500 company lens. This is not what you should do. Right. Um, but just, it was fascinating yeah. to hear some of the ways that he was thinking about the chocolate industry. And I actually got a lot of inspiration from some of what he was talking about in terms of market trends mm -hmm. towards personalization. Um, so, it, hmm. but it was not quite as useful day to day advice where there was a startup across the hall from me, Alevi, that uh, has since gotten purchased by 3D Systems. Ooh, and wow. the. CEO, we, we used to meet at least once a month. Okay. Um, before the pandemic, we would just run into each other in the hallways and he'd be like, so Ellie, how are you making money these days? Like, when are you going to, when are you sales, sales, sales? When are you going to start going? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm getting there, I'm getting there. Yeah. Um, and then it, during the pandemic, you know, you have to schedule time more. So it became that. 
Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, so it, it's just interesting to kind of keep in mind, this is where this person is coming from, from a VC-backed space, from a Fortune 500 space, and try to figure out what can you learn from that? Mm. And mm -hmm. what should you say, cool, that works for them. My situation's different. I love I love that. Mm -hmm. I think you have to you have and that's such a great way to put it. You have to like silo the advice or the people like know knowing your audience. <laughs> First of all, that that's an art I'm realizing for a lot of people that's cha challenging. <laughs> like they they just don't necessarily know their audience that they're talking yeah. to, right? Yeah. So you have to be able to as the receiver of this advice and stuff be able to um have that conversation and then figure out, okay, now what do I do with this? Is this an actionable thing? Is this a five year from now thing? Is this a, mm -hmm. this will never apply to me because it's just not relevant to me. And, and that is important because I think that uh, again, our, my tendency is like, Oh, I want to find what's working for everybody. I want to take all this and I'm going to apply it to myself. And it just doesn't <laughs> work that way. You're going to get overwhelmed. And, mm -hmm. and to add to that a little bit, I think one slightly overlooked part of that, is also just figure out what do you want out of this? Like, yeah. what do you want out of the company? So there was a pivotal moment at one point where I said, I see what would make most sense for Cocoa Press. I see it very clearly. It is so not what I want to do. <laughs> and that, that was actually really difficult. Uh. That was a really hard thing where one of uh, the people advising me at the time was like, you like what are you doing you need yeah. to be doing that thing yeah that's not the company i want yeah that's not what i want to do with my time in my life and so that's something that i've really struggled with mm -hmm. is trying to reconcile those things and trying to figure out like if this will hurt coco press like can i redefine what success is is mm. success monetary mm -hmm. specifically is it growing specifically is it being that like hockey stick startup and so, over time, my answer has shifted to no, it's not. I'm okay mm -hmm. saying no to these things and saying I'm yeah. capping, you know, how many printers I'm going to sell. Yeah, uh, watch out for my tweet later today. But yeah, it's it's been a it's been an adjustment. I think that part was really overlooked, specifically in the VC back spaces that I uh, mm -hmm. was getting a lot of advice from. Um, yeah. Uh, well. Sometimes success is just surviving too for, for long yeah. enough. Uh, you know, like I, I love, I love yeah. that comment, Andrew, what, what are you, what are you going to say? Well, yeah. I mean, I was going to say, you know, we've, we've talked about this on several occasions in, in previous podcasts is, you know, we, when it comes to defining what it is like, you know, we're all makers here and we want to turn it into a business. I think mm. the first rule is sit down and plan out what do you want out of your business? Mm -hmm. That is like number one, because yeah. without that plan or direction, you, you know, you're just going to start going blindly into different directions and you're, you're going to end up lost and twisted around. And you know, who but, knows what, but happen, Andrew, that's know? one of the things that I don't want to do. <laughs> like, yeah. Here's a question well, for both of you. Know, uh, really quick. Okay. What percentage as a, and, and I mean, I, this could even extend to life, but what percentage of the things that you have to do as a founder of a business on a day to day, would you say you know that you have to do, but you don't want to do versus like, oh, that's things you want question. To huh? 99%, like 99%, <laughs> right? And so it's yep. like, it's all about just like having enough ownership over yourself and basically like you know, finding a right reward structure. Like if you do your homework, then you get to play. Mm -hmm. Right. So Ellie, what, what's yeah. your, what percentage breakdown? And then how do you, how do you make yourself do the things which are many and myriad, uh, that you don't want to do, you know, get it One done. One thing I learned, uh, when I had more people working with me full time, 
was that I was doing less and less of the things I enjoyed. And that's one reason that I have tried to specifically find people to do the things that I don't enjoy. So like Emma with support. Yeah. I don't want to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It goes in and out of things, but a lot of times it's like 75% of the things I'm doing are yeah. not what I want to do. Yeah. I would say same, so, same if not higher for me, yeah. but go ahead, Andrew. We... So, so, you know, to kind of backtrack a little bit on why I think it's so critically important. And we've talked about this so many times before about coming up with that plan yeah. uh, of what you want on your business. Like one of the things that we did at Gloop, uh, you know, was uh, as a part of a competition, um, you know, for a grant, we had to, you know, kind of describe our business, describe what it was that we were doing, what our, you know, KPIs, key performance indicators, all of these things were. And, you know, it made us actually sit down and think like, okay, well, what do we value out of this business? What are we trying to get? Where are we trying to go? And then to further that, there was a secondary competition that we went into um, that required us to actually build out a business plan. And that's what allowed us to identify all of those elements of the business that we really don't want to do. Mm -hmm. But it made it in such a way where I think it kind of siloed all of these individual pieces and it came up we came up with processes yeah. because by building a business plan it's essentially a process of, a process of how you run your business and in many cases you know like i mentioned like 90 99 of the stuff that i do i hate doing yeah. here you know yeah. like i want to be in the lab i want to be working on new formulations i want to be you know working on you know whatever crazy idea that i've got for some spectacle at a show yeah but you know i know that that's very limited so you know again it's about the process how do we get from how do we get from where we are now to where i'll eventually be able to do those things and i know that you know every week i've got to you know go back and reconcile books i've got to you know every couple of days i've got to go through and make sure all of the customers are taken care of whatever it might be yeah. as a part of the business yeah. you know and, um, and i think that's something that is very nice about the bootstrap founder Mm -hmm. like Model. community like sure. people who are doing it that way yeah i feel like specifically in the vc community that mentality is less prevalent and i think it's yeah really yeah. hard to it was hard for me to find other bootstrap hardware companies mm -hmm. and you know i was straight up told to my face by people i respected mm -hmm. it will never work if you uh, don't do uh, don't try to yeah. do VC. Uh, don't try to get VC funding. Oh, oh my! Oh my! Oh my! <laughs> you know what that sound means? We have a caller. Uh, you, are you ready, Ellie, to take a take your first call? Sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see if we can't patch. Hello, patch, anonymous caller. Patch them in. Hold on. I gotta make sure I've. Uh, let's see here. Uh, we need to unmute. All right. Long time listener, first time caller. Yeah. 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 Greetings, caller. Are you able to hear us, first of all? I'm totally able to hear you. Can the, you hear me? The system works. Uh, I, I know this voice. What? But, That's crazy. But, Did uh, you do a business plan on this? <laughs> we should. Well, listen, for those that don't recognize this voice or don't see the actual title uh, on their screen of who it is, uh, who, whom are we speaking to here? Uh, the Dreadmaker Roberts. The Dreadmaker Roberts <laughs> or, is calling. Ben Edie, how about that? Yeah, more more, more people know me by my real name. Thanks yeah. for uh, thanks for calling. You have a uh, you do have a question or a comment for for Miss Ellie uh, or for either of us today? Well, all of you in general, because this is this this one kind of digs at me right now because like I'm 
so being the artistic type, right? The maker, I'm I'm always flopping around doing all the fun stuff, right? Sure. And I have no business plan. I have no plan for anything. Yet somehow I still seem to find like, you know, I work in movies, right? So what ends up happening optimal for me is, is they hire me and they tell me to do something impossible and I build it and I get to be in my space, right? right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I'm finding more and more that I want to expand and I want to grow. But as I grow, I realize that I have zero business aptitude and ADHD or mental issues. I don't know what it is, but I can't put all of this together. And, And I've always thought that like, is there... Is there any systems out there or people out there? Like I've, I've been wanting to find somebody going like, look, I've got a million ideas that are probably worth a little bit of money. In fact, I know they're worth a lot of money. Right. I just, I just can't affect a business plan. So how about this? I'll make us both rich, but I'm going to give you ideas and then you got to run with it. Now, yeah. is that, is <laughs> that like guy. tie in the sky yeah. or is that not? <laughs> Yeah. Well, everybody wants to be the idea guy, right? I mean, let's, mm-hmm. let's be, or gal, yeah. let's, let's be honest yeah. with that. Uh, Andrew, yeah. why don't you take a swing at this one for, first? Cause I, I know you've got thoughts. Um, you know, so, so yeah, I, I think, you know, so I, I'm going to quote Jim Collins here a little bit. Cause I, I love that man Get ready, and man. all of the books that he writes, <laughs> um, you know, um, in in many cases, right, I think we as makers or, you know, these artistic types of individuals, um, you know, we, we have all of these crazy ideas that we want to go and pursue and we, we can see exactly how they fit in. And in some cases, uh, you know, some people have been successful at doing exactly what you were mentioning, Ben, is finding a partner to basically, you know, be the genius with a thousand helpers right. uh, and mm-hmm. basically have these ideas and come up with it and then turn it into a business. Um, unfortunately, in many cases, um, you know, Jim goes on in his books to kind of basically break down why it, those companies aren't really built to last. Uh, it, because unfortunately, what happens when the genius dies or, you know, if something happens is the whole structure organization, unfortunately, falls apart but that's not to say that it's not a sustainable business model what i think he argues is is like if you as this individual this genius can you know start to you know basically i understand where you are lacking and find the right people to get on the bus to help you not in the sense of you know having a thousand helpers but finding a partner in a way which understands the business and complements your skill sets uh, you know, you can kind of transcend this leadership uh, organization, if you will, that he kind of calls these uh, level five leaders, being able to look mm-hmm. for the right individuals and right people. Um, you know, and I know that it's not like an answer that you're probably, you know, looking for or anything else. But I think in many cases, it comes down to trying to identify who might be that right individual. Mm-hmm. So spend some time thinking through the things that you don't do very well. And, you know, like kind of documenting the things that you do do very well and then start writing out a little bit of a plan. I know it's a a grind, but of some of these ideas that you may have that you think can come to market, but you just don't know how to make that happen. Um, And I think that might help facilitate conversations with other individuals in these other areas to help. That's that's interesting. Now, Ellie, you you actually jumped in and we kind of talked about this earlier, which is probably what inspired Ben and this uh, that, you know, especially as a younger individual that doesn't have as much experience, like it sounds like you've done a pretty good job of like trying to find resources where you can 
um, you know, basically leverage other people's experience. Like, do you, do you have any, uh, thoughts on, on where Ben might find some resources to do that? Or is it just, is it like Andrew's saying where it's just like, you're going to have to vet these individuals and it's really the, the quality of that partnership. If you, if you're weak on the business stuff, you're going to have to look for a while to find that person. And it, it's more compounded if you don't have funding, if you don't have money to throw at the problem, which oftentimes as bootstrappers, we don't, right? You're, mm -hmm. you're really going to have to sell yourself and your sell your vision in a different way uh, to this individual because they're going to have to be putting in a lot more sweat equity instead of getting just money for their work. What do you think, Ellie? <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not sure. I, I think in a lot of ways, I got really lucky with being able to work on Cocoa Press for four years and have a lot of university resources mm. when I was starting, yeah, uh, including access to labs and professors and uh, funding too, because uh, certain classes come with budgets. Um, I think Andrew had had good thoughts on just like what what do you do well and and what do you need help with and being really honest about that and being really um honest about what you think you can learn and what i mean anyone can learn anything but what you're just not interested in learning or what might be a really high barrier to learn or be really bad if you mess up right away um yeah, yeah. that's all very that's that that's great i, I just a side note i, I want to say that like all three of you i've watch the growth and like we're all the trajectories all three of you've been on and i'll be completely honest i'm jealous as hell because i cannot for the life of me do that and i've i've tried many times and i just don't feel like i've ever achieved uh, i've achieved success but not sustainable success i guess would be the the big one but anyways it, it's all very good good input and I very much appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks for the compliment. But I, I, I gotta say, I think we're all victims of, you know, the imposter syndrome mm -hmm. and stuff that's out there. It's like, Absolutely. I think a lot of people look at what you're outwardly showing and you get the people that you get to work with and that you're involved. Everybody has a different lived experience. I think the only thing I would take away, you know, Ben is like, I, I wish there were more resources exactly, exactly like you. And I am always on the lookout for that stuff. So to me, it's, it's it's never there's never a definitive answer it's i i really these are this is why i do uh invest as much as i do in networking and going to events mm -hmm. because it's it's to me it's not um it's it's the you'll know it when you see it kind of thing like you'll know it when you come across yeah. the right person or the right group that complements what you need at that moment in time and that's that's the big mm -hmm. caveat asterisk as well too like you're gonna yep ebb and flow in terms of where your energy is and what idea you think is the best and worth pursuing. So until you can distill that down, like if you, if you can be focused enough and I, I struggle with it and I think a lot of, I think I'm cut from a similar cloth as Ben where it's like, I want to do all the things and I want to mm -hmm. like, these are great ideas. There's a million great ideas. There's never a shortage of good ideas. It's that, can I get laser focused enough to actually execute on something for a period of time to effectiveness. And sometimes it doesn't yeah. work. I've just learned over time that it's like, I'm going to try a bunch of things. And, mm -hmm. and sometimes the strategy is just allowing yourself the space to do that. And then just to pivot onto the next thing. Right. Um, that's mm -hmm. not as easy to do in business where it's like, well, do I need to throw a bunch of money in this? Because then you feel, you start to feel pot committed to it. And then maybe yeah. you hold on too yeah. long. 
So you, you need to, I think, get in your mind of like, what are you trying to be? Are you trying to incubate some ideas? Are you throwing the feelers out there, the, the more the, the Tim, uh, the Tim Ferriss model where it's just like, let me just like throw ideas out there and see what mm-hmm. the universe has given back to me and then decide if I want to level up or uh, mm-hmm. am I more in like the Jim Collins, like or Andrew, you know, like a, a planner. I think as my gut's telling me, you're less of like the ability to sit down and just like try to focus on one thing and more you like, you need to put those feelers out and then you'll know mm-hmm. it when the thing that feels right and the person or the people that compliment you, mm-hmm. you'll know it when you see it. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Is that helpful at all? Well, <laughs> it, it, it is. Okay. You know, I was just thinking like on a, on a side note now I'll, I'll leave it at this. I don't want to hijack. <laughs> the, the no, this is, no this is great conversation. The, <laughs> I I've always seen things like I've got friends that are venture capitalists. And the thing is, is that if you join a venture capital, you think that they're going to be there to help you out and they want to throw money at something and have you solve all the problems. So this doesn't help a situation, especially on a business side of things. I think there's a lot of nerds out there. Like, you know, the nerd that likes spreadsheets, I know they're few and far between, but that, that person, if they could set up a sort of plug and play maker business ethos or, or something to help somebody work their way through it and say, take 40, 50, 60% of whatever is, is being done for their services, but just do nothing but find nerds that are making cool shit yeah. and develop a product and get it out to market. I think that person, if they're listening, please, for the love of God, do that because that's you will be, I will be your first customer. Right? So and what Ben's I saying is he anything. needs somebody that's a freak in the sheets, basically. Uh, <laughs> he, he's, uh, they're good with the worksheets. Don't Google that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that reminds me of the yeah. podcast Startup by Gimlet Media. Yeah. Incredible podcast, if, if you haven't heard it. Um, it mm-hmm. is the story of starting Gimlet Media. And because he did radio, he, he recorded all of the conversations. Yeah. And I was so jealous because... He had the idea, he had the podcast experience, and he found someone who was incredible at the spreadsheets. Um, so <laughs> it, it just reminds me a lot of that story, and that's honestly one of my all-time favorite podcasts. Yeah, Ben, fantastic. Mm-hmm. You're, you're absolutely right. There is a massive resource for the right person that can figure out how to containerize this thing. I, I think that yeah. that's such mm-hmm. a challenge, and especially for makers in general. Like We all want to, like, oh, we've got the good ideas, but that that's part mm-hmm. of the reason we started this podcast was it's like there are not a mm-hmm. lot of resources and it, it is inherently against the maker mentality a lot of times to have to do the painful things that are required to actually turn right. it into a sustainable yeah. business yeah. thank yeah. you so much for your call my friend i wish you you know all the best and i i'm i know you got calgary maker fair i'm gonna just quick plug yeah you. that's coming up oh, this weekend you. yeah right? and yeah. you're gonna be hosting uh uh some of it you're gonna be doing some speaking and some panels yeah i got I got a panel on both Saturday and Sunday. Uh, first panel is actually with uh, Yosef Perosa. Is it Yosef or Joseph? I'm trying to make sure that I, I call say him right. Joe. I think technically it's yeah. probably, yeah, but I don't want to botch the Czech pronunciation. You could just call him Joe. He'd be fine with that. It's gonna, you're yeah. gonna be, uh, it's gonna be a big, uh, just bunch of fun, man. I wish we could yeah. have been up there for that, but uh, yeah. all the best with that. And uh, thanks for calling, man. We'll we'll connect yeah. again soon. You bet. What a okay. guy. Yeah. Thanks. One other thing I'll add, although I know that uh, he's dropping off there, is that he said something about sustainable success, and I've just been thinking about that for the past 10 minutes. Sustainable. And I, yeah. think, I don't think I've achieved that yet. 
I really don't. I mean, a month ago, I was very stressed about whether or not I would still be doing Cocoa Press by the end of the year if zero people bought this printer. Now I'm like, oh, wow, I can actually hire someone and, and start making more plans. And I've had a lot of failures, too, in, in what I've done. And yeah. I think it's a lot of it is storytelling. And I mm -hmm. always go back and forth on that because I don't want to give the impression that everything's been rainbows and, and sunshine. Mm -hmm. But Did you say funshine or sunshine? I said sunshine. Because funshine is fantastic. Sunshine, yeah. Copyright um, that. But anyways, yeah. I, think, I think a lot of it is the storytelling that we all just inherently do about our business, especially like the three of us that are all like have public-ish facing personas of being very happy and community oriented and then we say oh we actually hate 75 percent of what we do oh my god um, yeah <laughs> there's a the, lot of the reason i use that. we use a green screen is because everything back here is on fire right and so it's like yeah, it allows yeah. Us you don't want to wanna just, see just yeah yeah, yeah you don't want to see how the sausage is made <laughs> oh 100 this is the thread guys that binds us all is i think it's a general entrepreneur thing like i don't think you realize like how much uh, uh, that that everyone can be on the precipice of of failure or mental breakdown or some combat you know con mm -hmm. uh, combination of the both, um and what what allows us to succeed is just the fact that we will 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 take our licks and we'll get up and we'll keep doing it again the next day and as long yep. as you keep at it and survive long enough to be successful that is really seems yeah. to be what it's about is my perception Let's plug a plug a previous episode you know where essentially we make our own luck by you know again coming back up and continuing to do the same thing again and again and again as as what pooch was just saying long enough to see a successful outcome <laughs> i mean i know well, here I like you know go ahead eat chocolate if all that is why i've been successful that is yeah. a fantastic segue chocolate in my office and whenever i'm sad i go into my box yeah. of chocolate who's like there you go this person say no to me okay <laughs> look we've gone almost an hour already and we haven't even talking up we haven't even talked about the chocolate right so all these great mm -hmm. people in the chat first of all shout out to all my fantastic people in the chat i am sorry i've not been ignoring you we've been trying to feed questions in as we go but you know crazy frantic that this experience always is um we have to so first of all ellie i know we we tend to go an hour but we always i don't i say we tend to go an hour the truth is we always go long i just want to make sure we have a time check for you are you okay on time because we want to be respectful of people's time. Um, let's talk about the chocolate because, like, mm -hmm. that is one of the raddest things about your product and what you're doing and all the things that you've learned. Now, you're in an interesting space as a maker, as a fabricator, as a uh, culinary arts individual even. Um, uh, you have a product. I would argue without parallel. I mean, I know there are other, like, machines out there that can do cake frosting and some other stuff but i don't think i've seen a, a kind of a commercial offering that's really quite there yet so first of all can you talk about what that uh ecosystem looks like in terms of robotic food printing and then let's get in on the chocolate quick side yes a 12 year old called me a techno chocolatier this week Ooh, that's a and i think that is the biggest compliment i've ever a 12 year old kid over that can't lie wow a techno chocolatier you better yeah it's, that's a great it's, it's, yeah, you better world. coin that term and like <laughs> she she included in her science fair which is about 3d chocolate printing one of the people to inspire me a lot recently but 
uh, your actual question. Yeah. I'm so, I'm, I'm, what, what did you say? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I throw a lot of stuff out there. So uh, I, I just wanted to give people a basis of like, what is the state of the culinary or the food-based yeah. robotic manufacturing tools that exist out there today that are not just like purpose built in a large factory at Hershey. Yeah. I'm talking about like, is there anybody else that do, does what you do right now for chocolate or for food? In yes. General? The answer is yes. I'm not the only one doing 3D chocolate printing. I'm not the only one doing 3D food printing. In the US, I am the only one doing 3D chocolate printing. There are two other food printing companies. There's uh, what's their new name? I'm always worried I'm going to like dead name a company. <laughs> like, I don't it should not be a worry. But yeah. I think their name is Current 3D. Okay. A what 3D? Uh, current, current 3D. Current 3D. Uh, okay. Sugar Labs. Okay. Is, I think, maybe an associated or an old brand. Mm -hmm. And they do sugar printing, full color sugar printing. Really cool stuff. Um, and then there's also BHEX, which is known as the NASA pizza printer, but they actually do cake frosting now. And okay. Frosting. Okay. In the so then so then I'm the only oh, and, other, and uh, pancake uh, bot. We're getting people shouting at us. Yep. But yeah, yeah, I think they're so yeah. in outside the U.S. There's pancake bot, which uh -huh. is Miguel from uh, Norway. Yep. There is, um, you know, there's a food printing company in the Netherlands, uh, Byflow, and they have so many ingredients. They're focused at like high end chefs. It's really cool. I'm friends with them. They did announce a chocolate printer about a year and a half ago, and I haven't heard any more details about it, uh -huh, so uh -huh. I don't really know. Okay, um, it looks really cool, and then looks well, so like way on the higher end of what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and then there's a couple other companies in there. I I really like Chocolate Cube too. Um, I've like referred customers to them in the past. I'm like, I'm not selling a chocolate printer, but if you're gonna buy one, go buy Chocolate Cubes. Um, and then there's of course Lucky Bot, which a lot of people know because it's the few hundred dollar extruder that you can add on to an Ender. And, and it'll put, put, put metal in your chocolate. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I am close to, I hope they don't hear this. I am close to most chocolate printing companies except for them. They're the ones who like to steal my content and mm, everything else. All always, the other there's food always printing one. companies. I know most of yeah. them and they're all amazing people. It's a small community. And we're not competing with each other. We're competing with the status quo, yeah. right? Like, yeah. mm -hmm. I don't see... It's an interesting way to put it. Yeah, I don't see the, you know, Chocolate Cubes is probably making the most similar printer to me. We would have hours-long Zoom conversations because we both were like, how do we remove all the air bubbles from this? Like, yeah. it's, it's really cool. That's awesome that's really awesome to hear. I, I There was a great tweet yesterday by a guy that I follow that's in the indie hacker space named Arvid. I think his last name is Crawl. But, he, you know, he said, like, the, the mentality of it's it's not zero sum. It's if when I, when I win, we win. Or when you win, we all mm -hmm. win, you know. And I love that you have that mentality that I think is so important. Um, not everybody shares it. And, yeah. and you're in a subset of 3D printing that's in, like, food production 3d print so you're, now we're talking like niche of niche but mm -hmm. i think that especially as you're getting started when you're bootstrap you're looking for your contemporaries you're looking for all, all that other stuff like to find people that you don't feel threatened by but that you're happy to work with and innovate together and realize that a rising tide lifts all benches as i like to say um is is such a better strategy for i, I think a, a win than to try to me 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 my 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 i don't know what 
What's your and, feel? And again, going back to the, the the phone call a minute ago. Yeah. That is what I say publicly, and then, but sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm so jealous of that press. Like, how could <laughs> yeah. that uh, this one company, chocolate printing company that doesn't exist anymore, get Neil deGrasse Tyson to show off the printer on TV? I have no idea how that came about. Do you want so me to is- text Neil right now for you? I'll, I'll tell him. Uh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, give me the backstory. Networking. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. You know, there, there is definitely some of that panic, but I'm starting to see the other end of it where one of my favorite stories from Armor was a couple who came in and said, we came to this event just to see you. We were Googling for 3D chocolate printers about three or four weeks ago, and we saw you were going to be at a conference two hours away from us. And they had already That's pre-ordered awesome. a printer, so I knew they were really serious. Yeah. And... They, we just talked about their concept for this store they're hoping to open. Um, and now I've been working with them on, on some other stuff too, which is really cool. They would not have known to Google 3D chocolate printing if it weren't for all of the other companies doing 3D chocolate printing. If it weren't for Hershey trying it mm-hmm. in 2014, 2015, if it weren't for maybe Neil deGrasse Tyson getting, um, I literally can't remember mm-hmm. the name of the company, on, yeah. on TV. And <laughs> You know, I am sure that they did not hear about it first through me. Right. But mm-hmm. I happen to be the one going to a conference two hours away from them. And they're wonderful people. So so it, it, it is kind of one of those real world examples that just happened in the last month of. That's awesome. Uh, whatever quote you said, rising tides lift all benches. Rising tides. Yep. Rising yeah. tide lifts all benches. Um, so, you know, this this brings up another interesting point, And I've talked to this you know, talk to Andrew about this is like when, when we have what is zero sum in our world is the amount of time and a lot amount of money that we've got, um, in this mm-hmm. thing. And so as, a, a, a growing business, you always have to be selling. You always have to be marketing. You have to put your time into being out in front of people. Um, and those connections to, to, to get in front of the the Joels or the Neil deGrasse Tyson's or whomever, you know, that's, that's, that's very, that kind of stuff. When you can get to the level where you can get in front of people that are that influential can create explosive growth. Right. But that is not an easy thing to do. And so there are those things that we have to invest time in that are, I don't know, a long tail or like, you know, a, a, a long-term effort. And then, you can't be doing that at the sake of making sure the flywheel is still turning. You're still selling. You still have revenue coming in and whatnot. I know what's what's awesome about your business structure. I, I can see just outside looking in is because it's pretty niche. Um, you have the potential to have a lock on the consumable side of this and a massive revenue stream in just even if you decide that you're not going to keep going with the. I know you're. We haven't even gotten mm-hmm. into the printer build and stuff like that, but like you could build an empire of just creating a good, re- you know, piece of 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 material to be used in these things. Creating the standard, you've done a lot of work on the material science side, which is not the side that gets talked about a lot. It's not the sexy, glamorous. I see piece. Andrew being excited about this. <laughs> But it is so critical, and it, it it could be a monster just selling choco cartridges um, mm-hmm. by itself. Never mind the you know the printer. And so you you are, I, I see the the genius in the vision. Like you are potentially diversified across a number of revenue streams. Mm-hmm. That said, you're still pretty 
are you, would you call yourself pre-revenue? I mean, you've had to invest a lot of time and energy and stuff like that, but it's like the printers are, the printers have been out in, not in the current form, but you have sold some printers. You have done, um, you have sold actual, like, I know you'll, you'll tell me that you're, you're doing like a hundred or 500, you know, uh, chocolate printed things where you'll sell final. So chocolate print services is another thing that you do. Right. Um, where, where are you in terms of like the revenue streams and how does that all come together? I think there's a rule that I probably heard about in some podcast. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Podcasting is great. <laughs> like 80-20 rules of, of I, I think of it in terms of what I do. What I talk about 80% of the time is actually 20% of my revenue. I actually also sell molded <laughs> chocolates. So I have a maker yeah. multiplier. I make custom molds. And I've done, you know, 1,000-piece runs, 1,500-piece runs of, of custom chocolate bars. Yeah. And it's great because I everything that I do to make money, I try to make sure that it also relates back to my goals, longer term goals in terms of selling the hardware. Yeah. And for that, it's great because I can see where does 3D printing the chocolate actually make sense and where does molding chocolate actually make sense. Yep. Um, but I will admit that most of the money I've made has actually come from molded chocolate and not 3D printed chocolate. Still still um, on brand, but I think that yeah. I, I, I don't think a lot of people see and hear that component of what you do as much uh you know, as I know, we I have been offline quite as much, but I'm still using 3D printing. I'm still mm -hmm. figuring out how to 3D print mm -hmm. the, the molds easily. And that's why I was so excited about the maker multiplier. But that's a whole other story. Um, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where I would call myself in terms of pre-revenue something. I've had profitable months. I've had not profitable months. Um, I Chocolate in general goes through... Uh, is very seasonal, of course. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And so over the summer, I will uh, not make very much money because shipping chocolate is really hard. And it gives me a lot of time to really focus on the material of the chocolate or the hardware or something mm -hmm. else. And then come November, December, I am ignoring the printer. Yeah. I am doing everything else. <laughs> We're getting chocolate I, out. I, I call I call even... these the high chocolate holidays. So there there's mm -hmm. you know we there's this this is a little aside and I didn't mean to cut you off but it is yeah, so interesting the seasonal demand the, this is a whole nother you know thing. Uh, mm -hmm. First of all, everybody in the chat, you need to meet, eat more summertime chocolate. So support your local chocolate yep. techno chocolatier and uh, eat more chocolate in the summer, please. Thank um, you, Chloe, for that name. There is a. Uh, a little like trailer that is just down the street, like next to a convenience store. You would drive past, you'd never notice it. The local Lions group uh, around the high chocolate holidays every year put a little folder sign out and they sell seized chocolate uh, out of this trailer. And it is the weirdest <laughs> thing because it's like only open like. I don't know, 10 days in total of, of across, you know, they'll, they'll open a little bit before Easter, a little bit before, you know, mother's day sometimes, but not always, but you're right. Like it's, you're, you're in an interesting business where some of your product can be very seasonally demand driven. Um, but again, it sounds like you're kind of diversified pretty well across a lot of that stuff. And you recognize that it allows you a nice little workflow where it's like, okay, we got crunch time where we got to just like, let's make some money. And now we've mm -hmm. hopefully built up the coffers and we can work on some other aspect of the business. So I, I love that. I love that. Yeah, definitely. I say 
it's one of the challenges of working with, uh, you know, customer service and not doing it all myself now, because they're like, so when do you say yes to these orders? And when do you say no to them? And I'm like, it depends how busy I am. Like, depends if I feel like it or not. Yeah. 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 Uh, Yeah. So, okay. So let's talk about the printer itself now. Um, I know you said like you, you, you've got a good diversification of revenue and all this stuff. You've decided, and I, I do not envy you here. I will be honest. Like I, I have seen what it takes to support a printer. I have never done a Kickstarter. I've never done like, I've, we've kind of pre-sold mm-hmm. a, a few things here and there. Um, but when it comes to actually building and supporting a 3d printer, unfortunately, and I, I don't say this to discourage. I just want, I want this to be what it is. The, uh, uh, carnage of, or the, the, you know, the battlefield is rife with just dead bodies in the U S in terms of like failed printers, just because we've become so accustomed to just like cheap components and cheap machines coming out of China. Um, Mm -hmm. that said, they're not, they don't have anywhere near the amount of IP and understanding around the technical aspects of what it takes to do a chocolate printer. Um, which isn't to say that you're not in threat of being cloned. You almost definitely are. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, I spent weeks thinking about that. I'm sh- just exactly I'm sure. how I would deal with it when it inevitably happens. It will inevitably happen. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. Are you viewing the printer like what? What is your in terms of how it fits into the overall business portfolio for you? There's obviously a lot of a lot of le- teachings to be had, a lot of learning to be had from like doing the printer and stuff like that. But how are you feeling about building out the whole printer development sales? component of it because that is a very potentially capital and time intensive operation mm-hmm. yeah um <laughs> that's it <laughs> yeah. yeah uh that's your question um i think a i'm working on selling hardware because that's what i've always been interested in mm-hmm. it's not necessarily like i said earlier not because it makes the most sense financially if i wanted to grow cocoa press the fastest i could i would be a chocolate shop that's not what i'm interested in doing um i really want to mm-hmm. sell the hardware i really want to get other people using it i really want to get other people printing with it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so one thing i'm doing is i'm staying small on purpose you know i said I'm at this point almost three times past my minimum goal for the printer in terms of sales. That's and great. Congrats. It's incredible. Like, as if you had told me that this is where I would be sitting, what, when I launched this thing three weeks ago? Yeah. This mm-hmm. is this is past um I past my stretch goal for where I was hoping to be by the end of June. I know you don't want to say specific awesome. numbers, but can we say we're in the hundreds at least or something yeah. like that? Yeah. Okay. So just see, you, you've got a lot of work ahead of you in terms of like now oh. get, getting, mm-hmm. getting these kit and it's going to be a kit, right? So mm-hmm. you're going to, you're, you're going to have to have the build guide, the packaging, mm-hmm. you know, test, make sure that it's shipping and, uh, and then the customer support structure. So, for sure. Good luck to your support team. <laughs> uh, thanks. thanks, Emma. Please yeah. go, Emma. Um, and it's not just Emma there, but know, you I know. know. I know. Um, yeah, and Ellis, yes. And Ellis, and, and they and their team. Well, I don't know if it's public or not, but yeah. anyway. Um, 
oh, I had another point uh, associated with that. Oh, just that, just that I've gotten to this point and it is so tempting for me at this point to say, wow, I'm starting to figure out what works with selling things. I'm starting to figure out how people are finding me. I'm starting yeah. to figure out like, mm -hmm. I've had a lot of theories based on whatever I've done before to, you know, be like, oh, a successful, you know, KPI, whatever you want to call it is if someone goes to this page, if someone signs up for the email list, if they, we used to do a lot of one-on-one -on -one meetings with chocolate shops yeah. um, and just mm -hmm. figuring out kind of where people are in that sales funnel. But there is something about saying they've given me a hundred dollars. It's not the full printer. I don't know what that conversion rate will be from the, from the hundred dollars sure. to the full printer. But I am much more confident if someone has given me a hundred dollars and their address that, they're genuinely they're interested. Yes. So what I've mm -hmm. what I've been able to start doing is saying, I am reaching where I think I want or even past where I want to be. I'm starting to think about caps for the first batch. I am I was going to go to open source. My reward for myself, partially from seeing you two at Armorf, is I'm going around and I'm not gonna have a booth at Open Source. <laughs> I'm just gonna go yeah. hang because my buddies Pooch and Andrew look like they're having a blast at Arbor, not having a booth. And I was uh, having a blast too. <laughs> yeah. the whole time. Well, it doesn't work so, every time yeah. to be fair, but yeah. yes, it is very freeing to be. But I think what I'm trying to do to manage my sanity is just say, I know what I can handle. I'm a little bit past where I thought I was going to be. Yeah. Let me not try to keep going to infinity here. Let me slow things down, which is mm -hmm. so not, hard to not do to infinity and beyond. Finally, yeah, is to slow things yeah. down. Put the guardrails um, on. I like that. I, I think that's going to help mm -hmm. though with building all of that stuff up because LDO they can pump out kits. If I said I want to double the number of kits for my first order, yeah, Jason be like, great, got it, we're They're good. The best, I know, but. Like you said, I'm actually most worried about supporting it. I'm most worried about what happens if, oh, these two screws are actually really hard to get in place. Right. Um, and obviously, betas are going to help with that, but there will be things. Yeah. We've mm -hmm. seen it with yep. every printer. We've seen it from Bamboo to Prusa to Creality. Yeah. They Nobody's all immune. have issues when For they sure. come yep. out. Um, so obviously, I'm trying to avoid that, but... And you will, I'm and sure somebody's going to throw shade. Somebody's going to get yeah. it. Somebody's going to be like, and that is just the sooner that you can accept as a founder, as an owner, that there will be problems and mm -hmm. that there will be jerks online, to, you know, and, and you just have to be like, okay, fine. That is rise above it. Um, mm -hmm. That was really hard for me. I took, I took negative feedback really personally. I mean, most of the time I was able to turn that around and make it into a positive experience. But when you're in the trenches of that, that can be really stressful, mm -hmm. especially because you're, you're, you're in the middle of the launch. You're not sleeping. You're stressed, all that stuff. And the last thing you need not, is somebody just like somebody stabbing you while you're like already, you know, kicking you while you're already feeling down. So that's where the resilience really lies. Like just get to tomorrow, really <laughs> like mm -hmm. keep getting to tomorrow. Um, but so I'm, I'm, I'm very scared to ship this thing. I'm very excited, but I'm very scared to ship it. It's going to be great. Well, first of all, you're, I, I, you have to realize too, that so many of the people that are supporting you, you are in friendly waters. There are a number of people that realize like, this is the, the you, this is a cost of being on the bleeding edge. Like mm -hmm. I, I was mm -hmm. happy to do it. I'm excited. I, and I, I would have done it if for no other reason than just to help support you getting this thing off of the ground. 
I mean, I don't need another printer. I don't have a chocolate printer yet, and I have a spot carved out in my kitchen for when it's eventually here. But I, f- I fully <laughs> understand how this process goes and, and that there will be delays and that there will be sourcing issues and all sorts of other stuff, and that's fine. Um, but you're not lucky enough, unfortunately, to have me and everybody that way. Uh, but a good amount of the people that are early adopters, mm-hmm. like I said, mm-hmm. warm waters. And I think that's a good way to start. You were really smart about who you partnered with right off the bat. I wish I had found Jason and LDO a long time ago because they do a lot of stuff for us as well. And they're one of the few uh, um, Chinese manufacturers that I feel like get it in the sense that they've – um, they understand the community that exists here, the importance of taking feedback and like, just not like not being another, just crank out machines and never support it and all that kind of mm-hmm. entity without naming names and getting specific. So good on you. You're in a good spot, but obviously there's, there's a long way to go. We've had some comments. Andrew was mentioning, uh, in the post, Andrew Sink, shout out, Andrew Sink. Love you, buddy um loves the deposit printer he, he bought the first he, one i was so he ju- bought it before i sent out the email literally within like a he was, minute he was of sitting there the refreshing the page he probably was <laughs> on an airplane one. and bought wi-fi on the plane specifically just- so he could continue refreshing the page and just to just to be clear i did not even know what time i was launching the printer i had friends over that weekend <laughs> and i woke up yeah and like ate some breakfast yeah and it was like, okay, I should probably figure out how to launch this thing now. Like, it was not timed. I did not have this, like, <laughs> so for him, he bought it within, like, a minute. It yeah. wasn't like I said, it's going live at noon, and he got on at noon. Yeah. No, I said it will be at some point during the day, depending on when I you probably programmed, a, like, a little bot that was scraping your website just wait to, like, <laughs> and then sent him an alert. I would not it, put it past him. It I would wouldn't. not put it past him. Anyway, he says he likes the uh, deposit idea to gauge interest. Um, I, I and shout out to you. Like I know everybody does Kickstarter as a stay and age. Like I am so fed up with Kickstarter. I, I know you guys know how I feel about it. I, I understand that it's got marketing juice and all kinds of other stuff. But I'm with I'm with Andrew on this. I think that there's no reason you can't do it on your own site. I think your strategy just like let's make sure that people are mm-hmm. serious, but not stress them out that I have like all of their money now without knowing when they're ever going to get this thing. So you've got some funds to help you get going. And I think it's a good in between. Um, What kind of considerations were you given when you came up with that strategy? Did you think about doing a Kickstarter, which is fine if you did? For sure. For sure. I considered doing a Kickstarter. I considered just buying a certain number of printers if I could fund it and saying, Hey, it's available today, by the way. Um, because I mean, mic drops are fun, right? Yeah. Um, well, what? <laughs> Here it is. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. kind of like Bruce MK4, except that we all kind of knew some of that tech was already in the works. I know. Everybody um, said they were surprised. I'm like, yeah, but I, I, they've been talking about this. But anyway, go ahead. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I considered all the options. Um, I think what really appealed to me about this plan was a, it wasn't a Kickstarter. I agree. I don't like Kickstarters. Why would I do something that I don't like? Right. right. Um, <laughs> I've been burned by Kickstarters. Haven't we all been? Especially in the 3D printing. It's a rite um, of passage. Yep. Uh, space. Yeah. I really wanted to make sure that if anything went wrong, that it was on me. That I was not going to say, ha, huh, sorry, I screwed up. All of you now lost your, you know, $14.99. Yeah. I really mm-hmm. wanted to make sure it was like, no, if something goes wrong, that's on me. I'm taking all of the risk here. Yeah. 
um, mm-hmm. because I think that's how it should be. Um, I, agree. I, I also don't think that what I'm doing is possible for everyone, to be very clear. Like, I, I really think that I had some things, especially like the relatively low quantities that I'm working with, mm-hmm. that make it possible to do what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, specifically, I don't think other small companies can do what I'm doing. I think maybe the big ones, there's something to be said for it. They could probably fund it. Yeah. Um, and then it went through a lot of different iterations. So at first it was actually just going to be a survey where I was going to be like, Hey, like, what do you want a chocolate printer for? What do you want to use it for? And great. You're now on the list to be the first to get it. And I was like, mm, I'm going to get a lot of people saying they want it. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, okay, maybe I'll do a survey. And then if you kind of answer all the questions correctly, it'll be like, oh yeah, you can now put 50 or a hundred dollars down on yeah. the printer. I was like, I'm not going to make this a game. Well, and yeah. and you don't want to create it, barriers to entry. You don't want to make it like, eh, I'm yeah. not going to do that because I don't want to deal with that. But go ahead. Honestly, it was because this is the most absurd launch story I've ever had. Okay. We love absurd. I was at a first robotics event because I mentor a high school robotics team. Yep. Um, that Saturday, somehow on Twitter, uh, a lot of transphobes found me. And so people were just being really nasty who I did not know. I was just like, for some reason, I was getting caught up in it because I was sitting in the stands with a lot of downtime and just being stupid on Twitter because who among us hasn't been stupid on Twitter? Trying to get better. 80% and of my then day the next day, being stupid on Twitter. What? Not really. What'd you say? I said like 80% of my day is being stupid on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But it brings me joy, damn and, it. And then yeah, sorry, go ahead. The next day I was like, wow, I want I want people to be nice to me on Twitter. And so I was like, screw it. I'm, I'm going to announce when I'm launching this thing because I'd already picked the day. Like I already had it all set up, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I just announced it. It went viral. Yeah. And that is when I totally unintentionally that is when uh tom's hardware picked it up gizmodo picked it up all 3dp picked it up and i'm now sitting in the stands at a robotics event responding to press inquiries i didn't have my computer with me i was just like on my phone doing all of this yeah they're like do you have a press release i was like no not yet (laughs) and i'm not gonna write this on my phone right now so yeah uh, And then I had to figure out how to actually launch it because originally it was just going to be basically a survey form, uh, like a type form type of thing that let you pay at the end. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, let's actually use the Shopify I've set up. Let's, let's go, let's go. I I had finished my website two days before this announcement. Yeah. So, um, I'm flying by the seat of my pants is for some of it is the answer. Like there's a lot of thought that goes into it. We're all flying by the seat of our pants. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, so there's a lot of thought that goes into it, but sometimes it's unexpected. You just have to roll with it. So that turned, because I got so much press that day, it made it turn into more of a, um, more of a, I'm going for it. I'm not doing a survey. I'm just focusing on the DIY kit. I'm not going to ask who wants a fully assembled one. I am just focusing on this. I love and that. Then Yellow. There was a service mm-hmm. I was going to go with, and turns out there was a technical limitation, uh-huh. and they could not do it. They could do a ten percent re- uh, reservation fee, but couldn't do a hundred dollars. And I was like, "I'm sorry, I announced a hundred dollars. It's got to be. I'm not doing a hundred and fifty dollars now." Mm-hmm. And so I had to like rework everything. Oh, <laughs> oh wow! In that week to figure out how to how to actually get it done. So there's always fun stories behind it. Um, but you but did yeah, it. Ultimately, Ultimately, it was because I wanted the risk to fall onto myself. 
and but I wanted to know people were serious so that I could order enough parts. Um, and that's how it kind of came about. So Andrew, I'm gonna talk. So I, I, I there were so many nuggets about that that I love that I want to focus mm-hmm. on. So first of all, I've I've had debates and whatnot on 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 a lot of this that like I hate focus groups. I hate service. Like I'm I'm more like you. Like I want to one I want to show that I'm serious. Two I want to do business with people that are serious. And I always say there is no survey better than people voting with their hard earned money. So, so, you you know, you can, you can put out the best surveys and all this stuff and everybody's going to, Oh yeah. Rainbow. Yeah. That I totally want that. Oh, it's crap because at the end of the day, they're not going to convert, you know, to add to that for a second with the first version of the printer, I had really cool people we were talking to and I had multiple people say, I am buying this today. I am sending this to you today. And that kept happening. Yeah. Yeah. And they seemed really serious. It made sense for them. They were using it in a commercial standpoint that I could tell they had the, they they would have ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars spent on it, sure. and then they never did. And this happened over and over again to the point where, like you said, if it's not in the bank yep. account, I don't believe it. I'll believe it yep. when it's when the order is in and I have the money in in my hand. Um, because I understand stuff stuff comes up. People are the 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 road to hell is paved with good intentions, as they say, right? So. Uh, and, and again, I understand there are plenty of serious people that are true to their word and all this stuff. I'm speaking in stereotypes and generalities and stuff like that. But when it comes to the, the things that you're basing your decisions that dictate whether you are going to be sustainable and survive as a business, you need to take Mm -hmm. the, 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 the solid evidence. Um, and there is nothing more solid than the people that are serious enough to commit the funds. So that mm-hmm. said, it's not to say that doing surveys isn't good. Like you can do a focus group, but I would, oh, I would always say like, you just got to take all of those things with a grain of salt. Getting feedback is good. I would much rather get feedback. And I know not everybody wants to be a beta tester um, or, or, mm-hmm. you know, even we, we live in an era now where even like the big auto manufacturers are releasing things so quickly. I had a great conversation at, I think it was rapid. I, who was telling us about, uh, no, it was at the Prusa user group. Somebody was telling me about their uh, Ford Mach-E that they got where they released the car and realized like a massive failing of like the charge port when it opened, like it could be pushed open too far and actually dent the body panel. And so the 3 printing <laughs> community came up with like a little clip that prevented it from opening that. So t- historically, there's been a lot more testing and engineering that goes into all kinds of product development that we just don't see in this day and age because there's such a, a, a hustle to get things out. And then they're like, we'll get the feedback and we'll fix it in the next rev. Um, mm-hmm. So whether or not you're calling that a beta or not, there is like some element of people that are just having to beta test, but that is good real world feedback. There is no better feedback than that good real world feedback. It's just a question of will your customers be willing to suffer through that with mm-hmm. you or not right and one other thing i think i've seen a lot in the 3d printing space and this is not calling out any specific company is the line between beta testing and publicity machines are mm. so mm. narrow and so that's another yeah. one of those things that i was like i'm doing a beta test and it's going to be a quiet beta test mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's not for publicity right and then if i send out mm-hmm. machines for publicity right that will be for publicity. And so I think mm-hmm. it's just, it's really learning from, there's so many examples of incredible companies with incredible machines that didn't ultimately work out. Yeah. And it's really trying to study those. And a lot of it, the stories are not public because there's a lot of tough 
feelings involved. There's a lot of like hard conversations mm -hmm. and and all of that. But it's like, you know, my first printer was a Saladoodle press. That printer bankrupted. <laughs> Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Find some people who work there and be like, so what actually happened here? And mm -hmm. and there are some stories of that company publicly as well. Yeah. So it's really learning from all of these. You know, the first 3D printing company I visited was Type A Machines in San Francisco. Remember them? Yeah. 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 And so I was like, I'm connected with the COO of that company on LinkedIn. Like, you know, he drove me to a train station once. Like, let's let's chat about it. Mm. You know, so it's 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 really learning from all of the failures because unfortunately there are mm -hmm. so, well, so many. There's no right or wrong answer here. Andrew, what do you think? Like, there's no right or wrong answer. Like what you talked about is a strategy. Like mm -hmm. you can do a beta test and you can do it publicly because you know, you can get some yep. marketing juice out of that too. That's not to say, you yeah. know, that's a personal decision about what you, how you want your brand and, and what, what, but I oh, don't sure. know that there's a right mm -hmm. or wrong answer there. Um, we yeah. each probably have our own opinion on how we would approach it. I don't know. What mm -hmm. do you think, Andrew? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I can, I completely agree. I mean, you know, in in what's funny is, is you know, 3D Gloop launched with a Kickstarter, and you know, we did it, but it was a, it was a very intentional Kickstarter. We knew exactly how much it was going to cost to make the product, exactly how long it was going to take us. Like, we did a lot of due diligence, and we delivered on time. Yeah. Um. You know, a lot of people with the Kickstarters, you know, they're just like, oh, winging it. Or you have these giant companies that are using Kickstarter as a marketing platform, which, yes. you know, yes. again, it's like, really? Um. But, you know, in terms of the beta testing, in terms of, you know, either doing a quieter or, or a public one, then, yeah, I think, you know, it kind of can go either way. We've done some public beta tests that got, you know, some people excited, uh, but we've also done our fair share of quiet ones. Um, you know, where we've sent out unreleased product under NDA, very strict NDA even, um, you know, so I, I think, it, you know, it, you could use it to your advantage in, in many different ways. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Um, okay. We're, we're, we've done a solid 90 here. We're kind of running yeah. pretty long. So I'm let's, let's, talking. I'm good at talking. Oh, it's, <laughs> this is not your fault. This is just what we do, um, because we love the conversation and there's so many great little nuggets here. Let's start to try to wrap it all up. And, and honestly, we could go in on the, the, the kit building and all that stuff. I think you're going to find, and you didn't ask for this or whatever, but like, I want to know if you, you agree with it. I think you're going to find that the actual like fabrication and kitting of the parts and getting all the, getting the kits together, like you, you've already probably started down that road. You know, you, you have a good partner in LDO to help source a lot of that stuff. You have a great partner in the Voron team in terms of the design. If you, if you guys aren't aware of the Voron project, if you just look at the documentation associated with any of those and know that this is an open source thing and this is all volunteer based and I am jealous of this, like my documentation is crap compared to this stuff. <laughs> um, beautiful diagrams, all this stuff. They're you're gonna do my assembly manual for me too. It's gonna to be a oh, how did dialogue. you do? How did you score that? That is like a that, that's like a hundred thousand dollar value <laughs> right there. It like it, potentially, it feels I, like just like literally shout out to the Voron team. They have made Coco Press come true, and I try to credit them whenever I can. And they're like, "Nope, we're doing this for you. Like you don't have to give us credit. This is your thing." And I'm like, 
seriously like you are making this work like max's hinge mechanism that breech loader is genius incredible <laughs> like, it yeah. is so yeah. good yeah 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 and it was not the first, second, third, or fourth design. I will just leave it there. Yeah. So for, um, for those that haven't seen the machine, um, the, the the cartridge that goes into these things, uh, just really quick, is a it's, it's a, it looks like a log of chocolate. Let's just look, mm -hmm. we'll call it that. Um, and uh, it goes into a stainless steel tube, but it, it protrudes upward uh, off the top of the printer pretty substantially. It looks like there's a, a good amount of mass on the print head of this thing. But uh, as you'd mentioned, it, it has to load from the bottom based on your current design, right? You, you don't get to just slide it in from the top. And I'm sure there's many reasons for that. But I in order to do that, that yeah. without having to cut a hole in the bottom and feed it up and stuff like that, the, the you and the Voron team or whomever came up with this really clever tilt mechanism where you can unlock it, it tips forward so you can slide the choco log in uh from the bottom and, <laughs> and then reattach it and it's such a cool mechanism i forget there's and even a title for this type of mechanism uh the or the the locking component uh, i don't remember what it is kim kim and your booth was was talking about it i think at, at for murph so i would trust her more than me to know yeah well that's why you surround <laughs> yourself with smart people and that's good but anyway uh shout out to the voron team you're you're doing fantastic work i, I really can't wait to see how this continues to evolve um, and then your, your feels in terms of like the work is going to be the long-term support, the assumptions that even with a beautiful build guide, there are always going to be people that are just like, wait, I don't get it. Um, <clears throat> you know, they're going to be asking like, can I just pay you more to assemble one and ship it? I'm sure you've already had people asking that. Um, yep. And I have a price release for that. It's people then are like, oh, that's really expensive. And I'm like, yeah. Because labor is expensive. And you know what? But again, that's, you know, you need people that you, you start to learn over time. Andrew, you can speak to this too. It's like, you're going to get people complaining about price all the time. But mm -hmm. if you're serious, yep. if people, there are plenty of people out there that are serious and willing to pay that. They're like, they realize that their time is worth more than they want to spend on the kit. And yep. they're willing to pay a lot of money for a pre-assembled thing. And that can be a good, good model for you. Um, and it takes away a lot of the, the customer support. A lot of times those customers are just happier because like they're immediately getting the thing and getting to use it, right? They, they don't go through the pitfalls of potentially like missing a step, uh, especially with printers. This is such a, a fatal flaw, a potentially fatal flaw. Think about how many people never actually got into 3D printing because they might've missed one little step about wiring something or placing something just right. And they think that it's operational. They think they've done it right. A lot of times they're like, oh, I'm an engineer, so I know what I'm doing. Um, and then they <laughs> never know. get to a success. They, they never get the win. And then they give up. You know how many yeah. screws I had to unscrew on my rep box because I put something in backwards? <laughs> Multiple. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's not a dig uh, on you. That's 100% a dig but, on me. But in a way, it is, a, it is. I always look at that stuff as like, if if we weren't clear enough about it and, and there's been an evolution and you're going to get tons of people that are like, why isn't there a printed manual? Why isn't there a video guide? Why isn't there an mm -hmm. online interactive model? Because there is no one way that everybody wants to learn. And even if you did, you can spend millions of hours putting together all the perfect thing and somebody will still miss something. Nothing is intuitive. Mm -hmm. Never dismiss yep. people's ability to just completely not read directions or follow directions and then blame you for it. 
So <laughs> and that is life. what I did, except the blaming you for it part. I was like, oh, I know what this step <laughs> is. Like, I, 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 I see the pieces. No, this, this the step was like circled bold. I, IKEA has been a great disservice to me because I think a lot of people are like, I can put together IKEA furniture. Or how hard is this? It's a box. I put together my complex 3D printer. How hard is the storage box? You still have to pay attention. Mm-hmm. There are details, you know, and and you're gonna run into that too. And there's a lot more details with what you're building. So. Can, mm-hmm. can, as a last, as a last thing, can, we didn't get to talk. I really wanted to talk about material science stuff. There was some really great stuff in Joel's video. We'll put a link in the description producer. Let's make sure we put a link in the description to, uh, the video that Joel did with this, because you get into this a little bit, the, uh, what we're thinking about just like melting chocolate and depositing it. I, I think it was a surprising revelation that there are no cooling fans. There are no part cooling fans, sorry, on your build and you've relied heavily on your material science abilities to one create a bubble free chocolate formulation that jellifies uh in a manner is that a, am i using the right term that jellifies and cre- creates a gel in a manner that cools almost as it's coming out of the nozzle adequately enough to get bridging and overhang things that we have traditionally relied on in 3d printing uh part cooling fans to help assist with so you've spent a lot of time on formulation. Can you speak to that for a second? Yeah. Um, a lot of this was Amy Coronado from uh, who you were asking how I found people a while ago and ne- I never answered, but she found me because of a Mashable video and she was scrolling on Twitter and happened to see a video and cold emailed and applied. Oh, wow. I hired her. And she became, A, a really close friend. We still keep in contact. And B, just absolutely instrumental in in a lot of Cocoa Press's stuff. Because she did material science. The reason she got into material science was because she was interested in chocolate. Mm -hmm. Um, Then she moved on to Formlabs because Formlabs is a really cool place to work. It was an incredible opportunity for her. Um, Yeah. So a lot of this was her. Um, I, everything I know about material science is from her. It's not my background. Uh, so Andrew, you can correct me if I'm wrong about things. Cause I know, you know, a lot about material science, but basically, yeah, we figured out we could do it without a, without even a cooling fan. When in the last printer, we had a fully enclosed insulated double pane argon filled glass door, full vapor compression cooling. Uh, it was, mm-hmm there is such good engineering in that old printer. Like I'm like sad about how simple the printer is now. Yeah. Um, but what we're doing, which you alluded to is you put a uh, solid chocolate in uh, air bubble free chocolate core yep. and mm-hmm. heat it up to the lowest temperature that it will flow. It's more like a gel. If you kind of take it out, um, you can like hold one end of it and the other end just kind of like, you know, does, does this, it doesn't actually like yeah. flow. Yeah. And then we push on it with about 10 pounds of force. And because it's not even really flowing when it's in the, um, in the cartridge, yeah, it just kind of stays there and solidifies while you print the next two or three layers. You know, if it doesn't solidify, mm-hmm. no. Um, but as long as you can have that really, really precise temperature control and we have uh, two different zones of heating, we have... I've done a lot of math on exactly what temperature sensors to do. We have some crazy Marlin hacks that are all, you know, of yeah. course it's open source. It's on our GitHub, but yeah. no one has found it yet. <laughs> 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 Good luck if you're interested. Um, and 
that has basically allowed us to take a lot of the mechanical complication of the machine and solve it with material science, which was not my first inclination. Like I'm a mechanical engineer. My first inclination is how can we build this in a more complicated <laughs> way? How can we like, how can we <laughs> yep. over-engineer it some more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of it ended up being, how can we, uh, chocolate crystallizes. It's a, um, I forget all the names. I haven't talked to Amy in too long, obviously. Um, <laughs> It's it's like multiple things mixed together in a solution, but it's not uh, mm -hmm. one <laughs> material throughout. It's heterogeneous, yeah. not homo homogeneous. Oh, I, I think we lost Pooch. <laughs> lost me. Um, anyway, lost you. You, you probably know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And yep. what fat it is based on will determine kind of how it crystallizes. So cocoa butter is, has crystal structures you can heat it up mm -hmm. to melt all five uh crystal stages i'm really speaking very poorly about this um and then you cool it back down and you want specifically those beta five crystals and that's when in chocolate you get like a nice snap you get a nice shine mm -hmm. and you don't get what's called chocolate bloom which is um sorry i'm watching the youtube and actually andrew is i the know one we lost on andrew's vi your video and, and i think your camera is, but, dropped off uh, i can still hear okay him, <laughs> that's an on um, <laughs> start your camera, i'm on man. there so i'll keep talking yeah yeah I, um, I hear you so you get that crystal structure you make sure that the chocolate doesn't bloom which is when you get a white powdery finish on the outside of chocolate it, it looks nasty sometimes but it's totally edible it's kind of like if you leave a chocolate bar in the car you <laughs> might like take the chocolate bath it still feels soft, even though it's um, technically back at room temperature. That means you probably got some beta six crystals growing in there. Oh, okay. um, anyway, point is, I'm very distracted by the cameras turning off and stuff. <laughs> um, the point is, the material science is really cool in chocolate. We were able to use a palm oil as a base, which means it doesn't have to be tempered. And sorry, I'm throwing out a lot of terms. I would love to explain what each and everything means, but it's 145 my time and so we use a palm oil and then we still use the cocoa solid to make sure that it still has a really good taste um and so it, it's really trying to balance you know how hershey did the same thing they they made their printer through material science but their chocolate tasted terrible mm. from everyone i've heard i never got to try it but i've heard multiple people who have who were able to taste it and so, but food science has come a long way in eight years since they were working on it. Oh, now it's just me by myself. Hi, this is the Ellie show now um, with your host, Keep going. Ellie. There we go. He's back. And just to say, no, 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 we're here. We're here. I don't know if this is edited later. I'm just going to keep talking until someone tells me to stop. Yeah. No, no. It's, I'm sorry for the um, technical difficulties. You never so, know what yeah, you're going to So, yeah, food science has come a really long way. And, um, so we use a palm oil and make sure that's sustainably sourced with cocoa solids to make it still continue to taste good. And that works. Well, that's, yeah, I, I'm, and it works really well. And I keep being surprised by the material. I, I think the one takeaway that I want to get from so this is... That's, that's my like 10 second spiel of what could definitely be a two hour conversation about material science <laughs> and chocolate. Definitely. Um, uh, I think the big takeaway that I have for this, uh, the, it gives me. Can you hear me, Andrew? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> uh, you guys can't hear me now. Great. <laughs> uh, 
Well, uh, this this could be. A I've good got I've got Pooch over here, so there's some crazy technical difficulties going Are you on. Pooch I can there? see I can see Pooch. I think Pooch needs to relog in the uh, in the back end, but all right, uh, <laughs> it's uh, all good. I, I'm I'm gonna. I think we're gonna we're gonna have to use. What's this. interesting is I'm watching YouTube and all three of us are talking to each other. Yeah. <laughs> is it just replaying stuff? I don't think so. Who she knows? can't hear me, Who so knows? Andrew can hear me, but Anyways, can't it's hear probably me. time to wrap it up. <laughs> it is time to wrap yes, it up. Yes, yes. Andrew, how about this? Since uh, she can, can hear you, Pooch, I cannot. Okay. So, so since since Andrew, she can both of us can hear you, why don't you take us out today? Uh <laughs> so that she can hear. <laughs> sure thing. So, you know, uh Ellie, it's been fantastic talking with you. Thank you so much for all of the wisdom that you've been sharing. Um, everyone who's, uh, you know, joined us here live, thank you for all of the questions and the comments you've, uh, you know, were feeding us. Um, yeah, I think uh, this was uh, another great episode. I can't wait to, uh, you know, see where you guys are are, are heading, uh, you know, at Coco Press. I think it's really cool what you're working on. Uh, maybe we could have you back on and talk about some of the material science because, you know, that, you know, that's my jam. Uh, you know, I can nerd out on all of the material science and technical details. Um, but yeah, I think we both, you know, wish you the best. Uh, and, you know, we're excited to see where you go. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, just, uh, I guess I have to plug myself or something. So go to CocoPress.com if you want to put down $100 and get a printer, a chocolate printer. It's very cool, I promised. Um, <laughs> and it's refundable if you decide you don't want it. Or follow me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, maybe I'll keep going on my YouTube channel at some point at either CocoPress or some combination of Eliana Rose 6X um, for now. And that's that's me. Thanks for having me on. This has been awesome. Obviously, I was listening to this podcast back on the days when it was in, on Twitter spaces. Oh, and, wow. Uh, yeah. Come a little ways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was, what, a year and a half ago. So yeah. I just, Something like that, I yeah, 50-something episodes in. <laughs> yep, yep. So I appreciate you all and, and of course, just, I really, really appreciate the 3D printing community. I'm just like seeing so many names in the chat. Like I just saw Allie popped in. She was the one who gave me the name Chocolate Core. I was like, what do I call this chocolate thing? And just people here who, you know, Andrew, who was the first one to buy the printer and David is there who just did, you know, the video with Joel. So I just really appreciate everyone in the 3D printing community. It's, it's, and we I don't even have enough words to say how much I appreciate everyone. And um, we appreciate you. Guys, it's been an awesome episode. I'll try to mm -hmm. give people chocolate to to uh to say thank you. <laughs> we will catch you next Friday on the next episode of Maker That Money. Thank you so much. And we'll we'll see you all soon. Everybody have a great I'll weekend. Pooch is talking. Bye-bye. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> see ya. <laughs>